This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning and welcome to another show of tech, gadgets, gizmos, and some really interesting stuff going on in the fintech world, which we've got a wonderful interview today. I'm just trying to confirm the phone number, but uh, hopefully we've got a great interview with uh, a senior executive at Nedbank who can just share some light on how finance is changing, how technology is changing finance, and uh, should be really interesting to find out about all those things. But bringing things back to a more mundane sort of su- uh, subject, Telcom is the company that historically was the one that everybody hated. That seems to have moved on to the major networks now. The, the te- it seems people really want someone to blame for everything. But anyway, Telcom have been doing really well in the last couple of years. They've turned things around. They're no longer the company that everyone has something to say about. Their mobile business is doing quite well. They are really offering great deals on their mobile setup. A couple of problems of late, which I'll talk about in a sec. But essentially... The time has come to kill the good old POTS network, plain old telecom network that um, that is based on copper. couple of reasons for that. One, we're all moving on to broadband. Everybody's moving on to data. Everything is moving on to data. And the way that the old telecom, the old telco networks used to work was a pack, was a switched network. So essentially you had a cup of cable starting in your home from a telephone set that used to run to a local exchange, that used to run to a national exchange, and that used to run to international exchanges, whereby if you made a call through all these switches, a signal would go down the copper cable through another switch to another switch, to another switch, until eventually you found the person that you wanted at the end of another copper cable, and the two of you could have this magical telephone conversation. And that went on for many hundreds of years. But the Internet has changed all of that. Everything's digital. Everything's running via what is known as IP. Everything is running on the Internet as data. So what do you need? All these good old copper cables with all these good old switches that switch the actual connection from one wire to another wire to to hook you up. Back a couple of hundred, not even a hundred years ago, they actually had people doing that. You phoned the exchange. The, the person answered, asked you who you wanted to connect to. She took a cable from your line and plugged it into a hole which connected to the other person's line and their phone rang and they answered and you stayed connected. When you ended the call, that person had to unplug that cable and allocate that line to someone else. Well, those days are all gone. But the technology, no matter how automated it had become, that technology still exists in that essential form right now today. And if you've got a copper cable coming into your house and um, that's that's – that's what it does. So what Telcom have decided to do for a couple of reasons. One, copper's expensive. Copper gets stolen. There's been a ton of theft of cables. There's been so many different problems associated with weather and deterioration, the amount of people. And it's just a, a really very capital and human intensive endeavor to keep the copper cables going. So Telcom have made the decision to shut down their copper network as soon as they possibly can. What they are doing is migrating everyone across to fiber, where fiber exists, and there's no question that fiber is much cheaper now and much lower cost to maintain and much faster. So why wouldn't you want fiber? So if you've got copper in your home, you've got a telecom account, it's about to switch to fiber. In areas where there is no fiber, they are switching to um, 
LTE, which is wireless, basically a fixed cell phone in your house that you can make calls, get data, all at lower cost and higher speed. So there's not a lot you can worry about there. But stay tuned. That is happening, and you will be contacted by Telcom. But remember, there are options. We'll talk about that a little bit later, straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up the whole Telcom killing the ADSL story, ADSL is a technology that's definitely way past its sell-by date. It's slow. It's unreliable. It just doesn't cut it in our mad streaming high-tech world. So if you have ADSL, you can preempt Telcom contacting you. And the benefit there is that you can get a quote from them as to what fiber is in your area, how much it will cost to hook up. And right now, the Telcom fiber is slightly more expensive than the Vumatel, Frogfoot. There's a whole host of other providers, and maybe they're active in your area. So I'd suggest you do a little bit of homework, and you can port your number to a a provider, a cell phone, a, a normal phone provider. So in other words, you can retain your number should you want it, your fixed line number, and have no copper cables coming into your house. You can cut the wire and be entirely free of copper from now from going forward at lower cost, which certainly doesn't hurt. But in the in, in any event, Telcom will be contacting you to switch you away from these copper cables in the nearest future. Unfortunately, in the meanwhile, you're going to find that they're not maintaining their copper cables. If you have ADSL, it will probably get even flakier. Your phones will crackle. It's just not going to be a great experience. But for you few people left with a phone line at home, and especially with older parents, people who've got older parents who rely on that phone line, it's time to get organized and get going with regard to what you need to do. So move on it now. It's always best and get some great deals. A couple of the, the, the providers are doing a great, uh, lot of great deals. Find out from your neighbors, find out from your, your area who the fiber provider is and get some quotes and tend to move away from good old copper cables. Now, Facebook have been, again, in the news for lots and lots of reasons. They are seen, the American government and the European government are are looking into them for being too powerful, too pervasive, too big, and in fact changing the way society operates. Of that, there's no question. It is happening. They have inordinate power to shape consciousness of societies through what you see, what you read, who you talk to. It's it's a pretty unbelievable sort of uh, situation that we find ourselves in. But there's been a lot of privacy scams and issues. What what are the biggest calls were? What happens if you want to remove some history? The old adage is that if you're looking for a job, you're a youngster, you had a pretty interesting youth, lots of partying, lots of running around with interesting people, doing things that perhaps would be frowned upon in the, the job market. And that's all on Facebook for everybody to see. You could you know, you could very well shut your Facebook profile down, but that doesn't mean the data is gone. It remains there, and there's a very good possibility that that data, that data you don't want people to see, may pop up at some point. You become a politician. Look what's going on in South Africa. You become a celebrity, and people dig the stuff up. Well, what Facebook have started to do is roll out their clear history tool. Oh, dear. Um, I think we're trying to get the number of our next guest, but anyway. Just swipe it sideways. Yeah. Anyway, um, they're rolling out a clear history tool. It's starting in Ireland, South Korea, and Spain for now. And what that will do, it will allow you to um, it will allow you to delete your history completely 
from your, your profile. They announced it at their developer conference last year, and they they have now finally started to launch it. So hopefully we are going to see a lot less of the sort of stuff that you shouldn't be dealing with um, on various platforms going forward. It will also allow users to block other companies from reporting on their data in the future, which is quite a good thing. Because what happens is there are a lot of off-Facebook activity that has happened over the years where apps and websites are tracking their data and using it for targeted ad purposes on Facebook. So you gave permission. You didn't even know you gave permission, but you gave permission for some app to work through Facebook. It picked up your information, and it starts using that in various different places. And that was a direct result of that whole Cambridge Analytica um, disaster with with their use of data analytics. They did it theoretically uh, with permission, and that tool, this tool will now allow you to absolutely block those people from using your data. So if you delete it on Facebook, it'll block it from being used on any third-party service. So it's great news. Expect to see it start rolling out in South Africa towards the end of the year. And so if you did have a, a really interesting youth, which you tended to, uh, or even a current interesting time, which you tend to you know, share on with your closest friends on Facebook, Here's the chance that in the next couple of months, keep an eye on it. I'll announce when it's finally live in South Africa. But here's a chance to clean up and start afresh with a really well-curated and carefully considered Facebook profile. The good old story always goes very, very simply that we have you whatever you post on Facebook, whatever you post on the Internet, whatever you post online remains there pretty much forever. It's available. It can be found. It can be searched. It can be dug up. So don't put anything online that you wouldn't want your mother, your father, and your, your closest associates to see. Just keep it clean, keep it real, and enjoy yourself on, on Facebook. But be aware that everything you do, everything you say, can be held against you at some point. So stay, stay aware and stay awake. Now, social media did play a really interesting role in the last couple of days. FNB, for a couple of – last week – I kept getting messages that FNB are changing the way that you log on to your, your website um, banking account. They were going to disable the ability to cut and paste or save your password or use any password managers to input your password into your profile. And they implemented it on Monday morning or Monday night or 12 o'clock on Monday night morning, early in the morning. And lo and behold, come came to the office on Monday try to log into FNB, and it warned me, you are using a password manager, and we no longer allow you to log in. You have to physically type your password in. There was absolutely no other way to get your password into the system other than physically type it in. Well, there are two problems with that. One, tons of people have password managers. It's any security expert will highly recommend that you use a good quality password manager for one simple reason. We all have tens, if not hundreds, maybe even possibly thousands of different websites, uh, apps, you name it, where you use a password to log in. And you should, best practices, you should not use the same password, like password123 or 123password or 123456789010. Now, you can laugh about that, but those are some of the most common passwords out there. And people tend to use them across everything. So phishing, you name it, all sorts of havoc ensues. 
when you, you, you use the same password. So using a password manager and even in some instances using your browser, which is highly, highly not recommended. Do not use your browser to save your password. So they blocked it. Well, the internet and social media went nuts. Every security person informed them that this is actually going to make things far less secure than far more secure because people will tend to use passwords that are easy to remember, easy to write down, and they will write them down, and they will keep them simple, and they will do all the things we tell you not to do in the security world. So they, after a, a two or three days' worth of hoo-ha, as of yesterday, FNB have backed off, and you can now use password managers to fill in or cut and paste to fill in your passwords on your banking profile. But all I really need to say about that is do not let the browser save the password. That is an absolute no-no because that replicates across lots of things. Anyone who gets access to your computer can use it, log into your bank, do stuff. Use a password manager with a single strong password and then remember that password and use the password manager to create a really long 10, 12 uh, character, uppercase, dashes, you name it, password for a unique one for absolutely everything and stay safe online. But kudos to FNB for listening to, uh, you know, their users and, re- re- you know, fixing a problem that really had become a real big problem. Now we'll be back with more information and a fantastic chat with Dr. Rufaro Mucheka, who is on the line. We got that finally done and sorted. She is the head of strategy and for, for Africa and the rest of Africa, um, for South Africa and the rest of Africa at Nedbank Financial Planning. We'll be back with a great conversation about technology and money. Always a good combo. Um, straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And, uh, I believe we have a Dr. Mucheka on the line. Good morning and welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Well, so nice to have you here. Can you just give us a little bit of background to what it is that you do and, um, you know, what your area in Nedbank actually is? Uh, I am in financial planning, as you've rightly said. Uh, and our role in NetBank is to create, grow, and protect clients' uh, clients' world. Uh, we also offer this via face-to-face as well as uh, our client services center. Uh, I've been in financial services for the past 20 years, and most of it was in NetBank. For the past five years, I've been um, working mostly in West Africa, helping EcoBank set up a financial planning services. Um, and yeah, and recently I've also started um, yeah, really um, inspiring people in terms of my learning from my PhD, where I was um, setting up that business within EcoBank, and also how other companies can set up businesses across the continent. That's really fascinating because, quite honestly, you know, South Africa has a fairly sophisticated financial services industry, but the rest of Africa, it's pretty much starting from a a blank slate. You could introduce platforms and systems that didn't exist and and really do it in a much more modern um, sort of dynamic way. And was that your experience in, in, in your time with EcoBank? I can say yes and no. And I think where the yes comes in is um, 
the advantage that they have is because they did not have platforms like we had where we have got all systems which we might have to change to be able to keep up with new technologies. So for them, it's much easier because if they did not have those facilities, they can just plug into new systems. But I think the other thing that we still need to do, especially on the continent, is also the skills. Uh, because if you look at South Africa, uh, we've been operating a lot um, um, based on the Western way of doing business. So those skills, we need a lot more of those, especially on the continent, to really share our experiences so that they can also grow. Yeah, that's actually a very, very, very interesting point. So it's it's a human capital, human training issue along with the, the, the tech systems and the electronic systems that you need to run a modern financial services product no matter where that product sits. Yes, no, you, 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 you really are quite right there. So what one can could actually see on the content, the opportunities for new technologies was quite high. Uh, because of the because they never had those technologies, uh, but what was also great, especially for my learnings, was that there's so much appetite for new knowledge. Appetite, especially in the financial services, where um, there hasn't been a culture of um, of passing on world, especially to the next generation. That's and actually very interesting. Sorry. That's very interesting. Sorry, carry on. So if you look at it from a wealth management perspective, um, it's really an area which has got very high demand because what we what I also found was that we do have a lot of people that make money on the continent, but there needs to be a lot of education around how to save, how to pass on that wealth, how to use that world, especially to reduce the high dependence ratio uh, when people get older. That's that's actually a really fascinating thing. Now, in South Africa, again, we are seeing that industry, again, was fairly well established in certain areas of the economy and in other areas didn't exist at all. And in your, your studies and in your operations there at Nedbank, have you seen a big shift in that space? Are you seeing technology broadening the reach of these investment and saving options to a much bigger audience? Yes. If you look at generally, um, the younger population, they prefer to use technology. So if any company is trying to tap into that young population, of which that's the highest population on the continent anyway, and especially living in South Africa. A lot of companies have migrated their systems into technology, even though technology is a very big um, area to tap into new business. One still needs a bit of face-to-face as well. So yes, I totally agree. If I look at it from a Netherlands perspective, we are focusing a lot on technology because from a banking, but a banking app, uh, people can apply for loans uh, on their phone. Um, what you also have from an investment perspective, one can actually go on the phone and also start investing even small amounts. So technology is really being used a lot in the financial services at the moment.
And your your sense of where that is going in the nearest future, I mean, do you see a, a, a huge shift to mobile and sort of online technologies in the investing space, or is there room for the the uh, investment specialist and someone who who takes you through that journey and you rely on your your investing specialist going forward? Uh, what is very clear is that um, money is deeply personal and it's an emotive decision. So when one is investing small amounts, it's much easier to use an app, a robo-advisor, or any technology that is available. But when one is dealing with a larger amount of money and maybe one has got complex needs, they one who always need a, a human a, a human being. I can just give you an example. So if one looks at let's say you are dealing with a forty year old person. A forty year old person, let's say it's a forty year old man. You can have two forty year olds that might all need to invest, but their personal circumstances are very different. Because you might find that one um is not married, does not have kids um, and maybe doesn't earn as much money. Uh, another similar 40-year-old male might be married with kids, and maybe one of those kids has got special needs. So if you look at the, the, the first one, it's very easy for them just to use the app because they just want to invest. But if you look at the second 40-year-old male, because of their... Um, there are circumstances where they are kids, as well as a child with special needs. That child will require maybe um, a, a, a certain investment that needs to be set aside to look after them just in case something happens to the parents as well. And in that case, it requires a human being to actually speak to that family to ensure that even their tech issues are looked after. Um, uh, so, if something happens to the husband or the wife, um, there is money to take care of the family despite one of them actually uh, maybe leaving or passing on. So in that case, you always need a personal conversation. So a human being will always be required to be able to customize those needs. So... Really, the the basis of, of financial planning, the basis of saving investment, actually, despite all the technology that's happening, hasn't really changed. It's still very much a unique circumstance that depends on where you are in your life cycle, who, what your needs are, and what your current sort of uh, profile actually is. So technology can help, but it can't replace the personal element of having someone knowledgeable in the industry and in the space to advise you on the correct way to do things? I can say yes. But the advantages of technology, though, are it helps people to start saving. Because you can imagine, let's say, 10 years ago, before those technologies came on board, it meant for anyone to really start saving into, let's say, long-term insurance or long-term investment someone had to talk to them personally. But now with the technologies, it means they are now accessible and somebody will know that I can actually invest 100 rand a month into an investment. And it's only maybe when they start having lots of money that they might need uh, a, a human being to be able to talk to. So 
technology has helped in terms of increasing the net of people that can invest. It has also made it easier for anybody who wants to start investing to be able to do that in the comfort of their own home because technology is available 24-7. What when you are dealing with a human being, for example, it means wanting to set up an appointment during the day. It might not be at the convenient time for the client. So in that case, just as much as the human is very important, Technology has helped a lot in terms of increasing the net. The human will always be there, especially on complex situations, to be able to create trust and to also be able to show empathy depending on the situation of the client. That's a really excellent point. And as you obviously are aware, the sharing economy and the way that money is being shared and and generated and saved has also changed over the last couple of years as a result of technology. Are you seeing those trends happening in South Africa and Africa? And what would a, a large institution like Nedbank be doing about those sort of things? Um, as a bank, we strongly believe that um, the more people say, the stronger the economy. Because if one looks at countries like South Korea, Singapore, Australia, and some Scandinavian countries, They've got a very high savings culture. And what we also know is uh, a population that saves means there's more money that goes around the country and that is money that the government and institutions can actually access and develop the country. And the government doesn't have to go outside the country to borrow money at high interest rates on the international market to be able to develop the country, like build infrastructure like roads, bridges, and everything else. In that case, it creates employment. And once employment is created, it basically means um, individuals can even start their small businesses as well with the extra cash that they get, uh, reducing a lot of uh, drain on the social grants in the U.S. So for us, we strongly feel that the more people save, Hopefully, technology can help in that regard. Uh, there's more wealth creation, especially for future generations. And uh, we can save more for education for, 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 for the future. So the, the banking market in South Africa is actually becoming uh, more competitive. There are a lot of innovative new technology-based players. I won't mention their names, but essentially they're, they're – the, the barrier to entry into becoming a financial institution through technology has also dropped dramatically. Is that bringing a new dynamic? Is Nedbank responding to that? Is it broadening the reach of, of the formal banking system in the market from your opinion? Yeah. Um, it is definitely increasing the broader reach because we need to increase um, uh, the number of people that are banked. Because the more they are bent, the more they've got access to to new ways of doing business, uh, the more they can be serviced better. Netbank, uh, just like any other bank, especially the, the, the traditional banks, definitely we are affected uh, in a way that we now reach more clients with technology. And uh, with the other banks coming on board, what it basically means is we just need to enhance our technology side 
but our clients we always need face-to-face in one form or the other. So just as much as we might find ourselves uh, reducing footprint where maybe clients can come see us uh, face-to-face, we will always have the technology side so that whenever clients want to talk to us, uh, we are available either via the call center or in some of those branches that are open, as well as from a technology perspective. So you so you are seeing quite a swing towards the technology channels of interaction, and and the use of those channels is growing is going up considerably, both in the sort of day to day world of banking and in the investing, not in every case, but in, in the broader case. Are you seeing that here and in the rest of Africa as well? Yes, I think there is no way anyone can escape technology because if you just look at even our mobile phones, they've managed to integrate a lot of gadgets that we used to have before, where maybe we used to have a typewriter on one side. We also used to have uh, a camera, which was a separate gadget. Um, We also used to have photocopiers. So now, because of technology, which is coming via the mobile phone, via so many other channels, it now means there is no way the banks can escape that as well. If you just look at a day-to-day experience of an ordinary person, you now have Uber, where people can now, you know, my understanding is some people are no longer even using their, their cars to go to work or not even considering buying cars. So from a banking perspective and even the rest of the continent, technology is making life easier for people. And as a bank, there is no way we can escape those trends, and those are the trends that we are following and making it easier for our clients into the future. That's very, very interesting. Um, and are you have you got some initiatives that are either just starting or happening soon in the electronic or the tech world to introduce saving to the to the un, the people that have not saved in the past, is there anything specific you can share with us today that we can have a look at? For example, some of our listeners can maybe have a look at these things. Okay, so from a lending perspective, uh, what we have, we do have network investments where people can save small monies on monthly basis. And uh, it's technology that is already available. If they go onto the NetGroup Investment uh, web- website, um, we have a, a, a robo-advisor tool that really helps in terms of investment. So you find that when clients go there, there's an electronic virtual system who can actually interact with the client without the client really speaking to a, a, a real person but a client will be able to invest in a portfolio which is very specific to them. So with that on its own, it really helps in terms of starting clients being able to start to save. Uh, from a banking perspective, um, we have applications that have been on the market for quite a while in terms of our banking, which are expanding on daily basis. So uh, any client would want to to bank with NetBank will be able to go on to to download the NetBank uh, app suite and uh, and and just to follow the prompt 
and be able to to, to, to access all the value-added services that we have. Well, that's brilliant. So I'm afraid our time has run out. I just have one last question. What is your favorite gadget or app right now? Just always got to ask that on this show. It is a gadget show and a tech show after all. Like I said earlier, my gadget is my phone because <laughs> no my phone has my phone has become my bank, my office. Um, and if I look at the two main apps that I use on my phone, mainly is uh, WhatsApp because I can make calls from anywhere on the continent and be able to reach anybody. But also Google Maps because I used to be bad when it came to directions. So Google Maps has really become my savior. No. 100%. You and my wife, unfortunately, love using the maps because they never get lost. It's fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time and the interesting chat, and we'll keep our eye on what's happening in that space, and maybe we'll chat again fairly soon. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And there's just no question that the way we bank, the way we operate, the way that we save is being fundamentally changed by technology. And the fintech space has never been more exciting. There are so many new initiatives, so many new ways of doing things, both in the sort of uh, less advanced third world, or I mean, that I think uh, perhaps a misnomer, but in a less advanced world where actually solutions sometimes are more innovative and more thoughtful than the good old ways of doing things that have always been done in the past. But there's no question that technology is fundamentally reshaping everything, and banking and saving and investing um, definitely is one of those areas. So stay tuned. I think we're going to hear more and more about fintech or technology and finance and saving initiatives going forward. I keep getting interesting invites to go and speak to people in the space, and uh, I'll bring some of that news to you guys as and when I, I get it. Now, moving on to my gadget of the week, I've actually got two things that I've been playing with this week quite a lot, and one of them does not actually plug in. It has no power supply whatsoever. In fact, someone said to me, how can you review something without electricity? Well, it's very simple. What I've been playing with, and courtesy of the the local distributor, is a chair, an office chair. Now, that might sound like something that you wouldn't even consider in a tech show, but there is some incredible technology that has gone into a chair from a company called Herman Miller, they are a, a high-end manufacturer of office furniture, and they've got a whole range of really interesting chairs. And one of their new ones is called the Cosm. It sounds suitably new age, but it is actually a new age chair. The best I can say is go to their website, hermanmiller.com, search for Cosm, and have a look at what this thing looks like. It is m- pretty much a, a, a most unusual-looking chair. It is all plastic mostly, apart from the, the base, but it has a couple of really, really, really sophisticated and very technologically driven features. So, for example, it has no recline option. In other words, you can't, there's no, in, all of us who sit in an office, spend days at our desks, sitting in a chair, have got used to getting into a new chair, adjusting the height, fiddling with the backrest, trying to get 
comfortable, and off we go, hours and hours in a chair. Well, these guys call it forget gravity. They've got something, I love these words, auto-harmonic tilt. So essentially the, the chair has no adjustment for tilt. It automatically adjusts to where you want to sit and holds you there without any effort on your behalf and any any feeling of being either too upright or too uh, too relaxed. So the good old days when you see people sitting in their chairs because the thing sort of slipped back um, and the adjustment didn't work are gone. This chair is absolutely amazing. It is like a mesh based. It's not cloth. It has a, a frame with a mesh based seating area. And when you sit in it, it adjusts perfectly to your your seating position, and as you sit back and and assume a natural position, leaning back, talking to someone, sitting forward, working on your computer, it adjusts pretty much flawlessly to where you are and is incredibly, incredibly comfortable. There's not a lot more I can say about the technology itself. I don't actually know how it works, but it is really, really slick, simple. It looks suitably futuristic, like it came straight from the deck of the... um, a starship, it's really super slick. So if you're looking for a seating solution, I've tried a couple. I've really got a decent chair at my desk at, in my office anyway. But this certainly is going to be my next investment in, in office chairs. It is unbelievably comfortable for long periods of time. I've tried it with a number of people, everybody, light people, ladies, young people, older people, Everybody who sat in this chair has remarked how incredibly comfortable it is. And because it isn't a cushion, it's very, very um, breathable. You never get too hot. And the whole continuous adjustment of the suspension makes it unbelievably comfortable to sit and enjoy. And the frame really looks strong and very, very, very solid. And it comes in three variants, a low back, a medium back, and a high back. It's just interesting how much technology has come how the it's a berlin based company how they have done incredible work at finding something that adapts to different people i mean everybody is slightly different slightly taller slightly shorter slightly lighter slightly heavier and to find a chair that somehow adapts to all these type of different variations and at the same time makes it super comfortable. I found I wasn't moving around as much. I was concentrating better. A chair is not just a chair. The the one little teeny fly in the ointment is that these are not inexpensive chairs. Um, I, I have an idea of what the recommended retail price is. Best you Google it. Uh, anywhere from 15,000 to 30,000 rand for a chair. But in the context of a high-end office furniture, it's not quite the same as a macro three grand chair, but it certainly offers incredible comfort. It looks the part. It certainly adds value to what your office looks like. And uh, if you're looking for something in this space, I highly recommend it. It's the first time I've reviewed a chair, so I haven't quite got the formula right for doing so. But basically, spending a whole day in the office, at my desk, doing work, talking to people, working on the computer, I got up feeling refreshed, no aches and pains. It was an absolute pleasure. So that is the Cosm chair from Herman Miller. It is available in South Africa in some really cool, interesting colors. They sent me the red one, which clashed with everything in the office, but stands out, no doubt. And it's just a great, great chair. It's a great way to to work. And uh, it certainly makes your day a little bit better. Anything that does that is really worth a good look. So have a look at the Herman Miller Cosm. It's 
pretty spectacular and I think would add tremendous value to your day if you spend a lot of time sitting at a desk. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then we'll be back with a quick update on another gadget I reviewed a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, some changes to the Google App Store, which might surprise you in the nearest future. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Hi there and welcome back. And what I want to update you guys on, I reviewed the new LG G8S, um, the G8S Think. You've got to keep all these terms in, in place because otherwise people might get confused and think it's not a LG. But it is. It's a great LG. I've been using it now for the last two weeks. And I've done a full review on Business Brief, bbrief.co.za. If you want to go and have a look at it, just look for the technology section and you'll find the review of the new LG G8S or a comprehensive review. My first impressions were really good. LG have always been a solid choice in the smartphone space. They're not the biggest. They're not the noisiest. They're not the most visible. They certainly can't compete with the Samsungs and the Huawei's and the Apples of this world in terms of market share and presence. But what LG have done over the years is come up with a solid, high-quality, very user-friendly range of 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 devices. And in some cases, they were the first with multiple cameras, and the G8S has multiple cameras. They've always released the first with some OLED technology better battery life, things like that. So generally what I've found in my experience of all these smartphones on the market is that the LGs last longer than some of the other competitors, stay stable. In other words, you know, it happens over time. After a year, the battery gets a bit flaky, the the phones start doing weird things, the GPS starts working. That's a real problem on some some phones at the moment and generally it's sort of as if there's built-in obsolescence you have a year's worth of use and it's time to upgrade well the lgs have never done that i know people still using their old g3s very happily navigating doing everything never running out of memory it's got a bit slow one thing lg don't do is update the software uh, that often which is a bit of a challenge but generally their newer models have got better and in fact they will have um the LG G8S comes with Android 9 built in with all the gestures. It's a very clean implementation. And what what is nice is that after a very short period of time of using the phone, you become incredibly used to the consistency and the simplicity and the ease of use. It just becomes something that you use every day. The GPS is excellent. I've been navigating with it. No problem whatsoever. Um, it uses the latest Qualcomm Snapdragon chip right up there. It's fast incredibly fast. The 6.2-inch OLED screen has a rather large notch on top, which some may like or may not. But it's it. the reason it has that, it has a brand-new 3D time-of-flight camera, which it uses for a couple of really interesting things. And this is pretty unique, but gimmicky, but super unique. You can unlock this phone if it's on the desk using your palm. The 3D camera reads the veins in your hand and apparently it's even more it's even more secure than reading your fingerprints because your veins are even more unique than your fingerprint who would who would think so you take your hand you hold it over the phone and it unlocks it's a great party trick it's not as fast as using the fingerprint reader on the back and it's actually not as fast as that same camera if you hold it up to your face but there are situations where it's on the it's on its back can't touch the fingerprint it can't see your face. It won't unlock. You've got to put in a code. Your hands are wet. Who knows? You're busy cooking. You simply put your hand over it, and it unlocks. 
that same feature, you pull your hand up into a little sort of pointy claw, and you can actually turn up the volume by wiggling your fingers. You can swipe left or right, open a YouTube video, if maybe it's a cooking video or whatever. The whole idea of using gestures and not touching your screen is something that's gaining traction. We're going to see more of it. On the G8S, it's it's a nice feature. It's not a must-have feature. It's not the most fantastic uh, implementation. It has actually, as their software has been playing, got a little better. So I think that it's more of a potty trick right now than a true high-end gadget. But it certainly adds to the the value of the device. The The last thing I'll say about that, which is really, really important, is that this device has an OLED screen, triple camera on the rear with a zoom camera, very good quality pictures generally, not quite in the league of the high-end Huawei's, Samsung's, and iPhone's, but certainly close, very close in most respects. Sometimes you can hardly see the difference. In low light and zoom, definitely the other high-end devices are better, but the build quality is right up there with them. It's aluminium frame, glass front and back. You've got to have a ca- you've got to have a cover, um, and the interface and the quality of the screen is excellent. The front camera is gr- is good. You get great selfies. The time of flight 3D camera gives you great bokeh effect. That's that blurring effect for for selfies, which I quite liked. But overall, what makes this an excellent buy? So it doesn't beat it doesn't beat the high end cameras in every respect, but it sells for eleven triple nine, which puts it at between 30 and 50% cheaper than some of its high-end competitors with very similar specs. And it just does a really solid, reliable job. So if you just can't bring yourself to spend 18 to 20 grand on, on a Samsung or a Huawei or an Apple, this is an excellent, high-quality, reliable. It's got all the bells and whistles that a, a, a high-end flagship should have. And it's priced like the light versions of many Mini phones like the Huawei P30 Lite. It's not much more expensive than that, but it has the same features as the P30 at the price of the P30 Lite, for example. So check it out. It's always important that you check these things out and have a look, but don't discount, discount the quality and the longevity that LG have always brought to everything that they do. Now, the last thing I just wanted to mention, because I can see we're running out of time and I'm being chased out of the studio shortly, is that Google are refreshing their app store. So for all your Google fans out there, there, there is a brand new revamped, refreshed, and um, good-looking new app store. I've seen the beta. It hasn't downloaded to any of my new um, any of my devices yet. But this device, the whole new visual design of the Google Play Store, will be coming to a device near you very soon. So don't be uh, don't be scared when it comes. Accept the update and just allow it to run. And I think you'll be pretty impressed. There's some there's a much better visibility, much better navigation, and I think a lot better way to discover all these new apps that are out there because they don't stop coming. And on that note, um, I have a quick live read which I must share with you, and then we're going to have to call it a day. Basically, we are known as the people of the book. We are literary connoisseurs, consumers of words and prose, sharers of ideas. In short, we all are readers. Chai FM is starting a book club. Would you like to be one of the Chai FM book club readers? You'll receive a book every month to review on the radio for our listening community. It's social, it's fun, and obviously with reading, it's mentally enlightening. We're looking for people with a wide range of reading topics and genres. Please get in touch. Email us at books 
at highfm.com. It's really easy. Books at highfm.com and enjoy a good book courtesy of us. And on that note, we call it a day. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with all the latest gizmos, gadgets. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.